Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media personality, correspondent, and digital influencer. My career has required that I make many cross-country relocations, starting out in my hometown of New Orleans, going to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, and ultimately back to New Orleans. I've had to start over and reinvent myself many times, which has made for interesting experiences, opportunities, and of course, some obstacles. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I'll share my personal testimonials, trials, and tips, and invite guests to share theirs, all in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic personal and professional life, encouraging self-love and self-care. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. It's often said that the first year of marriage is the hardest. However, in today's episode, my guests will give you tips on how to not only survive the first year of marriage, but offer the keys to a healthy and happy marriage that'll last a lifetime. Kenyon and Takara Martin are emotional health and wellness experts with a passion for helping people find healing and wholeness after devastating divorces, breakups, or toxic relationships. After overcoming emotional and physical abuse, broken marriages, Kenyon and Takara are using their platform to help single men and women become emotionally healthy and whole individuals so they aren't carrying toxic baggage from one relationship to another. Using their education in theology, psychology, and Christian counseling, together they have designed a -a one-of-a-kind program to help individuals use their heartbreak as a personal launch pad to wholeness. Journey to Freedom, The Soul Ties Detox is their book and program. It has been used in singles ministries, small groups, book clubs, and most recently, their virtual course to help bring healing to local communities. So Takara and Kenyon, you all met on Facebook, correct? That's right. That's right. Yep. And then the the best part about it, you all got engaged before you even met in person. (laughs) That's that's the part that I think is the the very unique piece to this. So Takara, tell me what it was like meeting this man on Facebook and him proposing marriage to you before you had ever laid eyes on him in person. Um, well, I mean, he's bald head with a beard. Um, and so, <laughs> 10 points, 10 points, right? You know, like done, decision made. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're not, no. <laughs> okay, kind of, just kidding. Um, but no, I think the biggest piece to that story is that we'd known each other for about five years through mutual acquaintances and just through, you know, as Facebook friends, as you would meet on Facebook, right? And yes. we always tell everybody, number one, results are not typical. So like, don't be thinking like every dude in your DM is about to be a husband. That's not true. <laughs> right. We know plenty of people were getting real excited when we started. Exactly. Like, There is hope for that guy. I've been stalking on Facebook. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I mean, the honest to goodness truth is that Keen and I didn't even like each other when we first connected. Like, I thought he was arrogant. Um, He's a very (laughs) smart person. He's very arrogant. And he was also just like super just suave. Like he was like my version of Facebook Darius Love Hall from Love Jones. (laughs) He's bald with a beard. What did you expect? Yes. He had to be a player. Right. And so. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. (laughs) But like over the years, like I thought he was arrogant. He thought I was just a bit much like for everything, just way too much. And so we went through life like 
you know, as friends, maintained a respect for one another, married other people, you know, and then had to go through some heartbreak or whatever. And we honestly connected on a business level. It was not even to be a romantic connection. We connected from a business perspective. Wow. And that's how it grew from there. We started out as friends again for five plus years and then connected on business. And then as we worked together on business, learning about, you know, each other, learning about how we do things it transitioned from there to a place where we kind of started to get to know each other as friends like oh okay well maybe you aren't what I thought you were and if you are it's a little bit more tolerable because now I get you (laughs) right Um, right and and it kind of grew from there you know and I started going to him just on different things I started going through a hard time with some things that I was going through personally and what you would expect from what you would think is a player as somebody who's be like, come here, girl, let me love on you. Let me, uh-huh. you know, let, let me help you through that. He was like, no, Takara, I think you need to go see a therapist. I think you need to go to counseling. He was far away. So there wasn't much that he could do. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you need an advocate and you need someone, you know, to, to really, you know, be there for you as a covering. And you don't have that. A therapist right now is going to be your best place to go. Wow. And that's what I did. And that's what I started. And that kind of turned my, my, my head towards him differently because he was everything opposite of what I would assume somebody like him would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And from there, we got to know each other more and more as he was checking up on me. And I was, you know, working through that. And then I'll let him take the lead on the rest of the story because (laughs) why he chose everything there, I think, kind of really culminates into kind of his position and where he came from. Yeah. You go. (laughs) Chow on. Canyon? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, she said everything about we didn't, how we didn't like each other. And we painted each other in kind of a, a broad negative uh, perspective. But as we began to know each other, there was something, there was a connection there. There was, there was some connectivity there. Now, here's the thing. While Takara says results may not be typical, the reason why our results are not typical is because I believe personally, we began this journey of what our relationship is now prior to meeting each other. All relationships begin prior to getting into that relationship. You have to be prepared. You have to have your mindset. You have to have all these different things going on, right? Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, I was already ready. Mm -hmm. I was already in a position. Actually, both of us were in a position where we were like, okay, we are done with relationships, you know, after heartbreak and all those different things come through. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were done. Yeah. But... When I talked to Takara and when she was finally in a place where she could probably, I would say, receive the idea of relationship, one of the things I told her was I recognize her as a wife. Mm -hmm. That's her demeanor. That's her disposition. That's who she was internally. That's what she has been as a nurturer. I recognize her as a wife. Then I said to myself, okay, let's see if she's my wife. Because it was just intriguing. It was, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, this woman, she's the real deal. I don't know if you ever came across like something that was like, put you in a place where it's like, this is real. I don't have to bite it to see if this is real gold. This is real gold right here. You didn't need to meet her in person to know. 
Absolutely. I didn't. And, and that was the great thing about uh, the distance as well. Our long conversations, because of our openness, we had the opportunity to kind of assess each other from a distance mm-hmm. and identify how open is someone really? What kind of conversation are you carrying on a consistent basis? Because you can't do that for a long period of time without getting to a point where uh, of saying, I want more, you know, without getting to a point, listen, and this, and this is the real deal with men, men are hunters. And there comes a point where there's going to be something that we want that's going to feed us. It's either going to feed us feed us physically or feed us metaphysically or feed our ego. You see what I'm saying? There's going to be something eventually that we're going to want. Now, depending on who we are, we depend on what we hunt for. Mm-hmm. With me... Because of who I was, I was a man who did not need to be validated by a woman. I was a man who was pretty much done unless it was real. So all I was in a hunt for was the realness. So I had an opportunity to be patient, sit, watch, and wait to see if she was real. And once I realized that through conversation alone, it was a done deal. I didn't have to hem and haw about it. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to pray to God about it. I didn't ask. I didn't have to ask for signs and wonders from the celestials. I didn't have to ask for the sun to stop. I didn't have to ask none of that. Uh What I did have to ask for is God give me strength to cover her, even if it means she has to go without me for a minute, because I knew exactly what I wanted. I just wanted her to be healthy or in a place to receive where I was about to go. Mm, Okay. The end. (laughs) (laughs) And so I have two questions. The first one is what was the approximate distance? How far apart were you all initially? About 500 miles. Okay, wow. That's a- I was in Ohio and she was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Kenyon, when you told other people, you know, I've been talking to this woman, she's in Atlanta, I'm going to marry her. What was the response? Honestly, there was no response because I didn't talk to, I didn't tell other people or brag about this thing. Mm. It was business. It was business for me and not business from a standpoint of, like uh, I had some T's to cross and I's to dot, mm-hmm. but it was like, this is my business. Mm-hmm. And is this, this is something that I need to deal with myself. The two people I shared it with, uh, maybe three, I, I probably shared it with my mom, but the two people I shared it with were my sons. Okay. Kenton and uh, Alan Michael. Now, the reason why I shared it with them is because my sons are from a previous relationship and it's important that they understand that how I conducted relationships in the past was unacceptable. And I wanted them to know that that's not what a man does. And a man has to be accountable. Even if he lacks fault in the situation, a man has to be accountable for what he brings to the table of that dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so I told, when I was getting serious, I was like, listen, I kind of, I'm kind of digging on her. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll let you guys, you guys will eventually maybe meet her if I continue to feel this way. Mm -hmm. But I want you guys to know in what direction I'm looking and how serious I am and how I'm going about this. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that it's okay with you because I don't want you to think that uh, dad just jumps in and out of relationships like this. This Mm -hmm. is not what I do. This is not what I'm made for. Yeah, I'm a hopeless romantic. And I'm sorry I've made mistakes, but I want to show you how to do it right. And so I just want to let you know in what direction I'm going, how I'm going about this. Mm-hmm. And how old but, were they at this time? Um, Kenton was a 
Oh my gosh, maybe he was a he was junior. 16. Yeah, he was a junior in high school. Uh-huh. And that will put uh, Alan Michael at 12. Yep. Okay. So he was in uh, he was in middle school. Because I think that's always an issue for people when they are trying to date and start new relationships and they have kids from a previous relationship sometimes feeling like, oh, they're too young to be a part of this decision or having this conversation or when is a good time to bring it to their attention, you know, after we get married, once we officially <laughs> call each other boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the case may be. So So I think that that was important to mention. So I appreciate that. I think it's important to mention because you have to realize that your children are sitting back watching you and they watch you fail. Mm -hmm. And relationships is not a playing game. When we're young, it's okay. But when you're toting your children into each and every relationship you have, whether you're the custodial or non-custodial parent, you're, you're, you're bringing them to and fro and they're watching you Mm -hmm. and they get what's acceptable and what's not acceptable from you. They may not even like you, but when a person gets to a place where they want to do what they want to do, they'll use someone they've seen do it in order to give them the validation or justification to do something stupid. Right. And so the yeah. idea is to, to step up to the plate, say, I was stupid in this. This is wrong. This is where I'm going here. And this is the direction that you should go. And this is what I expect of you. So you create a brand new expectation out of your life because they're watching you anyway. So that's mm-hmm. incredibly important. Yeah. And I am a product of a divorced home and my parents' mistakes and and the things that they've done well, I see those things being repeated or have repeated in my life. So it's like as adults and parents, sometimes you don't realize, but literally every decision that you make is directly impacting your kids in some way, shape, or form. The good, the bad, the ugly, and dating is no different. And so how you make that introduction can set the tone for how well your family is blended in the future in incorporating new people and and removing people and, and all of those things. So I definitely firsthand know the importance of it. And anybody that's listening, I actually did a podcast episode on now navigating blended families. People can check that one out too, but I'm, I appreciate you for mentioning that as well. Amen. No problem. Um, and now Kenyon spoke about bringing in his kids into the relationship. Takara, how would you say you brought your kids into it and any tips for doing that seamlessly from your perspective? Sure. I would say for me, when we first uh, introduced Kenyon to the kids, um, I have two daughters. It was it was a little bit different um, because even though my daughters were younger, well, they were 12 and 14 when Kenyon first started coming around. And even though they were young, they experienced every bit of my pain with me in terms of, you know, my ex. And so they're very mature. They're very emotionally intelligent. And so what I had to do, honestly, I talked to them. What I did in my previous marriage is that I did exclude my kids. I did not let them have a voice. I didn't pay attention to signs that just because me and my ex made it, made a good boyfriend and girlfriend didn't mean we were going to be a good family. Mm-hmm. And so what I did this time, I spoke to them about what was going on. I spoke to them about who Kenyon was. And after they met him for the first time, I asked them what they thought. My youngest was like, she was like, oh, he's really nice, but let's see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. And what that told me was, is that they were 
kind of used to somebody flipping the script on them once they got in good with them. And so it was like, I, and Kenyon probably is just now hearing this for the first time, but no, I'm kidding. But it was just <laughs> like, you know, I had to make sure once I heard that, that I paid attention to how he was every step of the way. And so I didn't let him buy them candy and buy them gifts and get into their lives what we decided to do organically is give him opportunities to really get to know them. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so that way, even to this day, for us blending, it had nothing to do with him trying to come in to be the stepdaddy. It right. came in with him coming in and actually getting a relationship with each of them individually, learning how to deal with them, learning how to talk to them, learning how to come to me when there's an issue and saying, hey, I understand, you know, your oldest, you know, Alyssa, you know, likes this and does this like this. Can we make sure that she does it like this? And, and then so that way we became advocates and partners and mm-hmm. putting on a united front. But it was based on the idea that he got to know who they were and it made them feel safe, too, as part of that process. How have you incorporated co-parenting with your children's other parents? And how has that um, transition been? It's actually been a, it's been a non-thing, really. It, I it mean, is, yeah. There, there's, a, there's, there's a safe distance there in a sense that, okay, the ex or, or those, uh, the, the other parent, if you will, mm-hmm. doesn't provide any kind of interaction or any kind of um, issue for our relationship or our marriage or for the children themselves. Mm-hmm. I was able to meet um their father takara was able to meet uh the boys. yeah we yeah for the graduation like we all right. sat down and had dinner for his older you know his son's you know high school graduation with grandparents and all like right it it, it it has not been an issue at all but i think a lot of that comes with how we have structured our relationship yeah uh, nothing gets in nobody gets in and and those who we let in we let in and it's not that we are uh bulletproof mm-hmm. it's just that we've moved on yeah and, and now you have to also keep in mind that in many cases the other person or the persons on the outside the children's parents mm-hmm. they have healing phases to go through as well yes right. and so you have to keep that in mind and some of them may not want to heal the good news for us is that there there's a great distance i think their their father is in california um, my boy's mom is in um, Ohio. So okay. there's, a, there's a big enough dis- distance where if we need a conversation, we'll text, we'll have that conversation, and we'll keep it moving um, out of respect for their healing as well as we demand respect for our marriage. So there hasn't been too much of an issue. There, not, I shouldn't say, even say too much because that paints a bad picture. Uh, there has not been any issue whatsoever. Yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. It's been great. And I mean, for people who I feel I just told somebody the other day that I feel like Kenyon and I got a cheat code into this <laughs> life of co-parenting. Like his kids are amazing. Like all of us who have had exes with, with we call them BAKs, badass kids. Like, <laughs> it is, you know, we know that how lucky and how blessed we are to have this you know, connection where I love his kids, his kids love me and my kids love him. Like it is amazing. But I think for other people, one of the best pieces of advice that we got, because we went through premarital counseling and I mean, please, 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 if you're going to get married, go through premarital counseling. 
the, one of the best pieces of advice that we got was if you're, you know, blending a family, try to have a sit down with the other parents all of y'all get together and sit down and, and meet each other's, you know, the respective other parent because you want that relationship to start off right. You don't want it to be a secret because no matter what, that person is a part of your future spouse's life, yeah. whether you like it or not. And the best thing you can do for the children is try to get that relationship on point before going in. Now, if they've got a crazy baby mama, baby daddy, Whatever, as you're going into this, I'm sorry if that's a red flag if they have issues that they cannot contain before going into a marriage with you. So I feel like you should demand that those relationships kind of be as much intact as possible before going into that marriage. Otherwise, it can be taxing. But if, if you can have a mature sit down, I think it's the best thing you can do to start off that relationship. Takara, I know you were married previously. How did you approach this relationship? differently from your last? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I think the very first thing that I did differently was I allowed myself to acknowledge the mistakes that I made. And I also allowed myself to begin the process of healing before really jumping into something, you know, unknown again. Because when I allowed myself to go through you know, yes, therapy. When I allowed myself to go through things like that, you know, I had, you know, a very, very intelligent therapist who would just sit back sometimes and be like, but tell me who you are. And she made me uncover and discover who I was unapologetically. And one thing that I did previously, you know, getting married and all throughout my life growing up was I conformed and I became whoever I thought the person I was dating needed me to be. Honestly, it started with my father. Um, you know, I have a Nigerian father. So, you know, prior to that, I was conforming to becoming the lawyer that my Nigerian father wanted me to be. And so from there on, if those relationships fall apart, especially from a parental perspective, um, you find yourself journeying through life looking for that love and acceptance in everybody else. And it was something that I had to take a step back and realize that if I legitimately wanted someone to love me and accept me and receive me for all that I was. I first had to do that for myself, by myself, and realize and uncover what that meant to me. Because I can't expect Kenyon, I can't expect even my children to love me for who I am if I'm steadily chasing an idea of what somebody else wants me to be. So that was the very first thing, and I think the most important thing that I did going into my marriage with Kenyon, because our relationship is so much more free. It's so much more open that we share everything. I mean, you know, every dirty detail amongst ourselves we share. And I've never had that level of comfort before, but it was always because I didn't feel like I was enough or good enough for the other people. Mm -hmm. And is that where the inspiration for the book came about? It's absolutely the inspiration because what happened was Kenyon has always been in a counselor mode. And so his education just added to who he was as a person. We honestly started the journey writing a whole different book. What happened was people didn't, you know, one, we thought we were going to save marriages. Married people didn't come for us for help until it was way too late and somebody was already on their way out the door. What ended up happening is that we had all of these women coming to us broken, bleeding from past 
past hurts, past relationships. And it's like, what do I do? How do I heal? What do I need to do in order to make it stop hurting? Or what do I need to do to make him love me right? Mm -hmm. And we were just like, no, sweetie, that's not it. This is not the case. And when we began to answer the same question over and over and over again, People were like, well, yeah, I heard about this thing called soul ties. Could that be it? Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, let's, let's have a conversation about this soul ties thing. And that's where it came from. And once we did like a periscope and people, we were just like, we're just going to do a periscope about what soul ties really are and how, you know, how do you begin the process of breaking free? And we did a short mini scope and that thing blew up and I was like, babe, I think we need to take a step back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we need to take a step back and really evaluate what we're doing because if we're here to really help people and the only people that need help are those that are hurt and broken, then I feel like this is something that we need to do for them. And so yeah. like Kenyon went to work. Mm-hmm. And and obviously there's a big need for it too. That's what that that told you that that did because our goal like where we went from starting to like want to save every marriage in America every marriage in the world mm-hmm. it went to helping prepare people to become emotionally healthy before they enter in with marriages mm-hmm. there would be so many less divorces if people really knew who they were and were able to heal from their broken past before they walked into a marriage expecting that marriage to fix them absolutely because people say the first year of marriage is the hardest usually. And just based on what you're saying, it's probably hard if you go into it ill-prepared. So Kenyon, what would you say are some of the, the biggest tips and takeaways in preparing yourself for that marriage? If you had to narrow it down to three to kind of make that first year of marriage easier to get through. Okay, the first one will be get on the path to healing, like Takara alluded to. It is important. Everybody comes to the table with some baggage. So you want to make sure that you identify that baggage and you introduce that baggage in the sense that this is something that you're working on and perhaps they can work on it with you. So begin the process of healing. The second thing is, in conjunction with that, is safety. You want to give each other a, a, a opportunity to be safe with each other. No one is perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to butt heads. We're going to do stupid things. We're going to get on each other's damn nerves. <laughs> and so you want to give each other the opportunity and a safety to be who they are. Not to take them for granted, though, and not to um, get so complacent with who they are that you forget that they're your spouse, but to give them an opportunity to grow and to just be. And the third thing is to interact with each other in the place of that safety. What I mean by that is especially for men, uh, men to women, but in, in, in many cases, women do this a lot better because they're nurturers, but be prepared to heal each other. Be prepared to be a part of each other's healing. Now, Keep this in mind. You want to be on the road to healing, if not almost already healed, as you go into a relationship You don't, or into a marriage. That marriage is not there to heal you in the sense that is to make you better because marriage is a magnifying glass. Whatever's going on yeah. is going to be magnified hugely. Mm-hmm. So you want to have the mentality and the thought process of whatever you have going on, I am in your corner with you so that you never stand across the ring or um, 
opposed to each other when it comes to each other's pain. Because oftentimes we find ourselves in, in flashback moments where our spouse reminds us of a previous pain and we may forget who they are. So we have to engage and cross cross healing in that. So I would say come on the road to healing, give an opportunity to be safe and to continue that healing by healing each other. Awesome. I love that. Great, great, great advice. Of course, I have never been married, but I do hope to be married one day. If you had to narrow it down, the three qualities that you found in this relationship that you knew this one is different and this one has the ability to go the distance? So I'll, I'll say for me, because I am, you know, a Christian, my number one thing with Kenyon was it wasn't that just, you know, he said he believed in God because, yeah, I had that before too and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that he actually had a reverence and a respect for God enough where he couldn't go to my biological father to ask for my hand in marriage. I witnessed him daily pray for my hand in marriage to God, my father. You know what I mean? And so that was something something that was huge for me that that stuck out to me about him. And so that was one. I think the other thing is his consistent openness to telling me how much he received who I was. There has never been a point from the time that we started actually romantically getting to know one another that Kenyon has ever said to Kara, I need you to be somebody different. He's always loved me and celebrated me just as I am. Now, he may say to Cara, I need you to not dance in public in the middle of the bowling alley. That I'll <laughs> tone down. Uh-huh. But, but the other, um, you know, the main thing about us is just that, listen, I receive you and I love you. And that has opened up our relationship so much so much that I feel like there were, that was the, those are the main two qualities that keeps us here and keeps us going. Because even as we grow, even as we go through, you know, sickness, even as we go through different things in life together, it's still, babe, I love you. I receive you. And that's it. At this point, if someone is listening and saying, I want more from you. I want to read the book. I want to sign up for a counseling session, a program. How can they get in touch with you? Um, We do a weekly recording of our podcast on Thursdays on Facebook Live. And you can find us on Facebook um, at Ask the Martins. And what we do is that that's our format. We take, you know, questions from our Facebook messenger or from Instagram, which is also Ask the Martins. And we answer those questions live on our podcast. So you can always um, visit us there. If you want to get a copy of the book, we're available everywhere books are sold, but you can always visit us at thesoultiesdetox.com where you'll see the podcast, you'll see different blog posts on various topics, and then again, be able to reach out to us as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, lonnieswain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Music, Buzzsprout, Castbox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.